Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 16, and I mentioned the words in our study last week, just in passing, about our need to grow up, but this morning, that's what we're going to focus on. It's high time to grow up. It's high time to grow up. In the previous verses of chapter 4, Paul said that God has given each one of us, and that's what he said, each one of us, that's each one of you out there has been given a gift. All right? You, many think, I don't, I don't know what my gift is, and that, that's fine, and, um, or, or I don't have one, which is not fine because the Bible says you've been given one. Uh, you need to find out what it is. Now, these are the gifts that, that Christ gave to the church. He gave us the apostles. He gave us the prophets, the evangelists, and pastor teachers. And the purpose of those gifts, in verse 12, Paul says it was for the equipping of the saints. That's you. You and me, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts were for the work of the ministry and the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts were given to be used in the world and in the church. And we need to remember that the work of the ministry is to the world. And it's very clear that God planned all along to use you and me, us, the church, so that the world might see Jesus Christ at work. You see, Jesus never intended for the world to come to the church to find him. He intended for you, the church, to go out into the world. The body of Christ was designed by God to be incarnate in the world. You are to be Christ incarnate in the world since he's gone back to heaven. You are to uh, replicate him, imitate him in this world. Making yourself known in the world, visible in the eyes of the world. Because if the worldly can see you, the body of Christ among them, ministering to them, they'll see that Jesus isn't dead. They'll see that he's not gone They'll see that he's here with them in the shape, in the life of everyday believers. You, Jesus said, shall be witnesses to me. You shall be witnesses to me. He hasn't left us alone here to struggle and to work things out on our own. He's here and he has been for over 2,000 years, just like he said he would. I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. So what is the work of the ministry of the body of Christ? Well, here it is from uh, the, the, the lips of our own Lord. Listen to what he said, Luke 4, 16 through 24. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And listen, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It was the healing of man's soul that God is really after. The mistake that Israel made was that they were looking for the physical healings, the miracles. And a lot of people today are making the same mistake. They're looking also for the same thing today, the, the, the physical healings and the miracles. They'd rather see somebody healed of, of you know, of, of some terminal illness than accept the Lord. And they'd rather see them transform. rather see them transformed by the new birth. More people would rather see a miracle than be delivered from the evil bondage of sin, and pulled from the fires of hell, and be on their way to heaven. When Jesus said in Isaiah, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me," we see a ministry that is done in the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus was spirit filled for his ministry. We read in Matthew 3, 16 and 17 to, verse, to chapter 4, verse 1. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice he was starting his ministry now in chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 1. Each believer has to be filled with and depend on the Holy Spirit for the work that they're called to do. How can, how can other people tell when the Holy Spirit is, as, as, is at work in a person's life? When spiritually blind eyes are opened, all right, when spiritually blind eyes are open, when the spiritually lame are walking, when those who are held in captivity by sin are set free. That's the purpose of a spirit-filled life. When they have forsaken the old life of the flesh to walk in the new life of the spirit. But the work of the ministry cannot be done by a weak and unhealthy church. A church that's unforgiving. A church that's rude and bitter and gossips and hold grudges and divided and filled with problems. A lot of harm has been done to the work of Christ by immature, unhealthy Christians who try to do the work of the ministry with a lot of hard work in the flesh, but spiritually unhealthy. You know, holding on to their own problems. Showing unhealthy spiritual and or hypocritical behavior. Therefore, disgracing the body of Christ and his word in front of the world. Their worship is dull, lifeless, stale, just going through the motions with no emotions, no affection for the Lord, no love, no passion. And the thing that's missing in a lot of churches is the experience of life, life in the body. That warm, loving fellowships that Christians are to have with each other. And the New Testament word for that fellowship is koinonia. So it's high time that we get serious about God's word again. 
especially in the critical times that we're living in. We need a healthy church body to do effective work for the ministry. And that's not an option. So, what exactly is God doing through the church? What's his plan for the human race? Well, it's laid out for us here in verses 13 through 16. So let's read chapter 4, verses 13 through 16 together. Okay, he's just said that the gifts were given for the work of the ministry, for the equipping of the saints, verse 13, until we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or a complete man or, or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Notice, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So God's main goal is not evangelizing the world. Even though that's an important goal, important goal. But the great commission is not the main goal and purpose of the church. Paul tells us that God's main plan for us in Romans 8:28 is to be conformed to the image of his son. The word image means a representation, a likeness. And ultimately, he will make us like Christ. Best of all, God's plan is going to succeed. It started in eternity past. When it says in Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, he, God, chose us in him. God chose us in Christ. He predetermined that one day we would be like his son. Now, predestination applies only to saved people. Nowhere are we taught that the Bible predestines people to the eternity, to eternity condemned, to be eternally condemned. If they are condemned, it's because of their refusal to trust in Jesus Christ. Those whom God chose, he called. When they responded to his call, he justified them and he also glorified them. I love the way Pastor Chuck used to put, you want to know if you're called? Accept Jesus. If you reject him, then you are called. Very simple. If you reject Christ, you're not called. If you accept him, you've been called. Evangelism is the way of bringing people to a relationship with God so that they can become Christ-like in their lives. God's main goal is to produce men and women, young and old, who show the character and the qualities of Jesus. God doesn't want a church full of Christians who have just been going to church for a long time. Or Christians who think they know it all or think they're holier than thou or they're Bible experts or sophisticated pastors and leaders. Jesus wants a church filled with ordinary men and women who show the extraordinary integrity, personality,
fullness, compassion, uniqueness, boldness, righteousness, sincerity, love, forgiveness, selfishness, and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. That's quite a task. In verse 15, Paul says, notice, we are to grow up in in all things. That means we are to grow up in every way into Christ. And then in the last part of verse 16, he says, when every part does its share, notice, that's what causes growth of the body. When each one of us that are here, that are Christians, when we're doing our part, when we're doing what God has called us to do, we are going to grow. It causes growth in the body. Growth is God's doing. And it's a process that doesn't happen overnight. Growth takes time, as we all know. And some Christians get frustrated because they're not totally changed overnight. Maybe they haven't gotten victory over some bad habit in their life. Some Christians are bummed out by the fact that after becoming a Christian, they, they, don't, they find themselves still not to be perfect. And they see they still have a lot of the old life in them and the old ways in them. And then Satan comes in and says, oh, you, you, you can't be saved. You still got a, a lot of the old life in you. And it causes the person to ask themselves, well, I wonder if, I re- if I'm really saved. The point is, is they are saved. And they are Christians. But... They need to learn that growth takes time and everybody develops differently. If the things that make growth happen are present, then growth will take place. If we're patient, if we're persistent and we're faithful to God, we will grow. You know, it's kind of like planting a garden. You You go out there, you prepare the soil. You know, you remove the weeds and the rocks, plant the seed, and, and, and again, you, you water it, protect it from the things that will destroy it, and in time, you're going to see growth. Farmers do that every year all around the world. So how do you grow? Well, you have to have And you have to do the things that build up and encourage spiritual growth. Now, we've looked at some of those things already, but they're summed up in these two things. Unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. These two things will lead to Christian maturity. To the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. If we're united in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The unity of the faith is the great truth of the Word that we all share and understand in the church. It's the great truth revealed in God's Word, the Bible. Christians grow when they apply themselves to understanding the Word of God with the help of the teachers and leaders who help them. 
There can't be any growth without this increase in the unity of the faith through the understanding of the Word of God. And, and this has to go together with an increased knowledge of the Son of God. Knowing the Word and knowing Jesus intimately is what develops growth, maturity in the Christian. It's speaking of a personal relationship, knowledge of the Son of God. Speaking of a personal relationship, a growing experience with the Lord Jesus himself so that we come to know him more and more. Not knowing just about him, but knowing God directly and personally through Jesus Christ, the Son. These two things are possible, are what make growth possible. Again, this growing experience with the Lord happens when the knowledge of the faith is put into practice. That is, when what we hear, we do. What we hear, we do. Will increase growth in Christ. Because hearing and doing goes together. You can't know Jesus until you follow him. And Paul gives us two real ways how we can know if we're growing toward full maturity. He said in verse 14, notice, first, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. If you want to know whether or not you're growing, ask yourself these questions. Am I getting away from childish attitudes? Am I getting rid of childish behavior? Am I still controlled by childish reactions and tantrums? That's the first way to tell how mature you are or how mature you aren't. We are to be childlike in our faith, but never childlike in our behavior. Childlikeness is that simple childlike faith that believes God and follows his direction without questions and without doubting. Childishness is described here by Paul as instability and gullibility. As we know, children are terribly fickle. They're indecisive. They're unreliable. They're inconsistent and unpredictable. Their attention span is short. You can't keep them interested for very long because they quickly get interested in something else. They're unstable. They're tossed to and fro, back and forth, carried about by every changing situation. This is a sign, a sure sign, of an immature believer in Christ. And an immature believer can be new in the faith or a longtime believer who hasn't developed his or her Christian experience. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, because until now you were not able to receive it. That is the solid food. And even now, he says, you're still not able. 
to eat the solid food. And he says, why? Because you are still carnal. And then he gives some symptoms of carnality. He says, for where there, where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You know, there are fads and there are fashions in the Christian life. And immature Christians are always looking for and wanting to follow some new thing. Even in the church. You know, many are always running off after the latest movement, to follow the latest movement. The latest music. And you know, today with churches so close together and you just not a lot of people grounded or, or planted in the church where they've been called or they say they've been called. And with the internet, it's easy to go on and say, hey, let's see, what's happening over at Golden Springs? Who's, who's, who's singing over there today? Or Chino Hills, who's preaching over there today? Or over at the next church, who's, who's, who's over there today? Oh, I've always wanted to see this. I've always wanted to hear them. And off they go. This church one week, this church the next week. Always going to and fro. Experiences. Experiences. That's why we have the seeker-friendly church today. They want to give you whatever it is that will tickle your ear, whatever it is you're looking for. This instability and this short spiritual attention span are signs of immaturity. They just don't seem to understand that the oldest book and the oldest teacher is the most exciting of them all, and that's the Bible. God's Word. The childish Christians chose themselves by their unfaithfulness and their undependability. Many times new Christians will start some church or ministry or job, and they're all excited, they're all fired up. Then they quit. Because it wasn't a call of God. It was an experience. It's not long before their fire fizzles out. Their excitement falls by the wayside. They run out of gas. They get discouraged and they quit. Now this unreliability is understandable and it can be easily forgiven when it comes to a new believer. They're learning. They're growing. But when you see those, when you see it in those that, that have been Christians for a long time, it's a lot harder to take. Another sign of childishness is to be undiscerning and naive. Have you ever noticed how children aren't aware of the, the dangers that are around them. That's why we always have to be watching over them. They play around dangerous things or, or play around in, in dangerous environments where they could get hurt. They're totally unaware of the dangers involved and in, in that they could get hurt. Young and older Christians who should be mature are often caught off guard as Paul said in verse 15, 14, that by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. One of the surest signs of immaturity is when a person feels confident about themselves. 
And then in their pride, they say, yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time. Yeah, I, I read the Bible, I don't know how many times. Yeah, I, I could never fall. I could never backslide. That's pretty much what Peter said just before Jesus was crucified. Jesus, others might deny you. Not me. Yeah, some of your other disciples might fall away, but not me. I'll be by your side, Jesus, to the end. And he didn't last very long when, that, when he denied him. Another sign of, a sign of childishness is not willing to move on to the life and power that God has for us to live righteous lives. Many never put down the baby bottle or leave the baby food or never step out of the boat. They still haven't learned to walk. Paul said in Hebrews, uh, the writer in Hebrews 5.12 said this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. God wants us to leave these things. These childish things. And he wants us to move on to maturity. The mature Christian should be more and more concerned about showing the character of Christ through their obedience to the word of God. So what about me and what about you? How much have you grown? How much have we grown since we've been Christians? How much have you grown since the beginning of this year? Are you moving away? from the childish signs of instability and self-confidence? Are you growing in the faith of the word of God and in the knowledge of Christ? Another way that we can tell if we're growing in maturity, notice verse 15. But speaking the truth in love that you may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Another way we can tell if we're growing in maturity is by speaking the truth, but in love. Many times talk about people mention, oh, speak, you got, the Bible says to speak the truth. But they leave out that last part, in love. That means becoming more and more in every way like Jesus and it's a principle that applies to every part of the Christian life and ministry. And especially for leaders. It means to speak. It means to deal or act truthfully with people. It means being true in the broadest sense of the word. In other words, living the truth in love. 
That means developing an honest and reasonable way, notice, to deal with life and other people. Are you dealing lovingly with other people? In the way we minister to them, in the way we talk to them, in the way we instruct them. Are we doing it in an honest and reasonable way? Not being brutally honest, but gracious. Like telling somebody, you know, they may be doing a, a lousy job. Maybe you've experienced the work. You're, you know, you had these um, interviews, these, uh, I already forgot what they were. I haven't done a real job in a long time. Um, Personnel, personal, personal interviews, every six months or whatever, and they might, you might be doing a bad job. They say, "Oh, hey, you're doing a really lousy job, guy." Instead of saying, "You know, Joe, you know, there's some areas where you're really doing a neat job. You know, this is this, but but here's one, you know, that you could probably focus on and do a better. And I know you could do it because I see how well. So you get the idea." Same thing in the church, speaking the truth in love. You know, man, I, I see how the Lord's blessed you and, and you know, how, you know, um, God is using you. And, you know what, pray about this area. I think it's one that, that you could focus on. And, and, you know what, ask God to help you in this one. Because I think it will make you a, 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 a much more rounded believer, leader. So again, it means developing an honest and reasonable way to deal with life and other people. Not brutal honesty, just flat out saying, well, you know, it says to tell the truth. Yeah, but need to be gracious and with loving acceptance of others that always they always want to do their best for others. We want to do our best for others. We want to be concerned for their feelings. It's an attitude that lives out the greatest commandment of life that Jesus taught. Love your neighbor as yourself. Genuine, mature believers whose lives are marked by love won't be victims of false teaching. But will be faithfully and proclaiming, living and faithfully proclaiming the true gospel to a deceived and deceiving world. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Here Paul shows us a clear picture of maturity. Showing us that maturity isn't something that's just an individual thing. It's a process. It's a process that takes takes place within a group of relationships within the surroundings of the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body. Under the Lord's guidance, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, That is what it's called to do, to help others, then the other parts will grow. So that the whole body is now healthy, and it's growing, and it's full of life. 
It's full of love. Paul says that one of the things that encourages growth in maturity is to let other Christians minister to you. None of us, none of us should ever be beyond being ministered to. We should always be willing to learn because there's so much that we have to learn. And there are many people in the body of Christ, as, as Paul said, they have gifts. And they may help us in a certain area, one maybe we're not aware of. But again, the parts that the body are designed for is to meet one another's needs. Because it says they're joined and knit together. So we need to let others minister to us. In other words, God's design for the church is that Christians should relate to one another honestly yet lovingly. And as they carry out this mutual living, the truth and love ministry, the result will be that the choices and the decisions that we make will be made with harmony, unity all throughout the church. The end result of that church, that is the end of that result, the, result, the end result of that church harmony, it will be that the church will be a true witness to the world, and that true witness will attract people. And it will increase the numbers of the body, and it will strengthen the body, spiritually speaking. But you see, it takes a spirit-led combination of courage and compassion to speak the truth in love. It takes a willingness to accept other people. It takes a willingness to forgive others, to be patient with others, and, not, and compromise in the less important things. Not the fundamentals of the faith, but less important things. So that our main issues like unity and our love and our witness is never compromised. The other people in the body of Christ are God's chosen instruments as well. We got to remember that. Don't reject God's instruments. He knows, here's the, here's the, the funny thing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not. He knows what you need way better than you do. And you are where you are because that's where God wants you. And he put you with those Christians around you that seem to rub you the wrong way because they're the kind of Christians you need around you and you're the kind that they need. To you, they might be more like thorns in your flesh and hard to live with and hard to love. They might think the same thing about you. But again, they're what you need right now and you're what they need right now. So don't fight with God about the place where he's put you or the people he's put around you. Accept the place, accept the people, welcome it, submit to it, work at relating in honest love to the other Christians around you. 
And as each one of us does that, as each member of the body accepts his or her role in the body and does all they can to carry out their role, then the body will grow more healthy. Each member of the body will be doing what he or she was meant to do and what they were equipped to do. As gifts are used and love is shown all through the whole body, a wonderful oneness will come out. A oneness that leads to maturity in the whole body. And it produces a witness to those around you that will draw thousands more men and women out of their dark lives and into the kingdom of light. It's not easy. There will definitely be hard times. There will definitely be pain. There will definitely be discomfort at times. But you see, it's through the pain that we grow. Our goal and the church's goal has to be God's goal. There can't be two different goals. As Paul said here, the goal is unity. An isolated Christian can't minister to others, nor can others minister to him. And it's impossible for the gifts to be ministered either way. So spiritual unity isn't something that we create. It's something that we already have in Christ. And we have to protect it and we have to keep it alive. Truth unites. Lies divide. Love unites. Selfishness divides. So speaking the truth in love. As Paul said, let us equip one another and edify one another so that all of us may grow up to be more like Jesus. In closing, the way we say something is just as important as the thing that we said. The spirit in which the message is received depends upon the spirit in which the message is given. So words that are not fitly spoken, that is timely or properly spoken, they may become instruments of great pain and much harm. And you will either hinder somebody hurt somebody or you will scar somebody rather than heal and help somebody. We have a huge responsibility. What we say might be right on, it might be good, it might be true, but if it's said in a rude, arrogant, offensive way, they'll probably do more harm than good. So the question of the matter is, The question of the matter is, in which we say something, is something worth thinking about. Especially because we are called to instruct, advise, rebuke, and exhort our fellow man. But in truth and in love, motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And Father, I do pray as we are going through these studies, Lord, 
they're directed towards us, Lord. They're directed towards the body of Christ. And the things that we need to do, the things that we need to get right, Father, before we can dare take it to somebody else, Lord, or even share it within our own church with each other, God. Help us to be, help us to grow in maturity, Lord. Let us no longer be tossed to and fro like little children following this fad and that fad, God. Let us follow the the work of the Holy Spirit, the flow of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, and when we see where he's going, let us jump in. Let us follow him. And Lord, for those here this morning, I pray for those that, Lord, I pray the word is spoken to them and maybe they realize they haven't grown or their growth has been stunted for a while or a standstill. I do pray, God, that you would minister to them. God, that they would, God, that they would repent. Lord, that they'd ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing. And a commitment, God, to follow you. To hear your word, to apply it to their life, God. In order that they would be everything you call them to be, God. A witness to a dark, hurting world, God. And Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of quick